the tech scene was about to explode. I had just come from New York and it had already exploded in New York. And it was literally on the cusp of doing so in the UK as well. It was just after the recession and, you know, lots of entrepreneurship kind of sprouting out of everywhere. And we really wanted to create a home for that and to bring these really exciting tech businesses together. We were really passionate about that. Hello and welcome to episode 59 of Chaos and Rocket Fuel, the Future of Work podcast. This is where we look at every aspect of work in the future. It's brought to you by Wonder and Pattern, and alongside me is the CEO of Wonder and Pattern, Claire Haydar. Claire, nice to see you again. How are you doing? Doug, I'm on a high this morning. I'm just back from some time at our desert ranch watching the big, big sky was beautiful how are you i'm good we're still in the throes of a heat wave sounds like your throat you stuck you're probably out a little bit watching too much late at night exactly i was up i was up at like 2 a.m 3 a.m like seriously the milky way was just like breathtaking this weekend so i'm suffering the consequences of not sleeping the way i should have (laughs) okay well then let's move on quickly today we've just had a very interesting conversation about co-working with um, the co-founder and CEO of a company called Huckletree, Gabby Hersham, we've been speaking to. Tell us a little bit about her and and why you asked her onto the podcast. Gabby discovered me because Gabby asked me to be a a mentor on one of their programs that Huckletree runs. But the interesting thing is once I started digging into Huckletree, I realized that I really did want to bring Gabriella onto the the podcast. And it's because Huckletree are really doing some really interesting things in the co-working space. It really is a very difficult space to compete in, but I think Huckletree are doing it and they're doing it well. And given that the pandemic has just literally crashed that space, and I mean, Gabriella confirmed that on the um, the call with us I think it was a conversation definitely worth having because I think there's a lot of food for thought there for business leaders to be considering yes I have my eyes opened let's get stuck in and hear what uh, Gabriella has to say Gabby, the the reason why we wanted to bring you onto the show and to have this conversation with you is because you're one of those pioneers that have kind of been leading the space um, with regards to co-working. And naturally, the last two years have really shaken that whole part of the world. Co-working, I don't think, will ever be the same ever again. And so what I'd like us to do is, you know, start the conversation wide open and What I'd really like to understand from you is how have things changed, you know, over the last two years and what are you seeing companies need now that is so different to what they needed before? I'm happy to jump in and and kind of talk to it. There's obviously been a lot of changes over the past few years. You know, our industry has been completely shaken upside down. We thought we were in a really good place pre-COVID and then the pandemic hit and it was panications all over. But pretty soon into the pandemic, I think we kind of realized that the companies that are able to see it through and, you know, had the runway to stay in business throughout the pandemic. And obviously we had no idea how long it was going to go on for still ongoing, but how long, you know, we would have to work from home for and we would have to shut the offices down for and whatnot. But those that could stay in the game at the end of it would have a really exciting 
potential size of the industry to play for and 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 a much bigger we felt uh market share within the kind of commercial workspace uh industry in general so we kind of we kind of saw you know pretty soon into the pandemic that it would affect how businesses thought about taking on leases and that there would be much more of a need for flexibility and 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 this is kind of an obvious thing to hear anyone say right now but i think when we were in the thick of the pandemic it was kind of a radical thought process because all everybody thought was this is the death of the office full stop so we kind of held on to that glimmer of hope should i say throughout and we just kind of kept repeating it to ourselves we kept repeating it to the team because it was a really hard moment to navigate what was then 80 people through working in any industry where you you don't know where the industry is going is really tricky and i think there has been no greater threat to the workspace and the commercial real estate sector ever than the pandemic i mean i was speaking about it with my business coach last week arguably it was a you know a bigger threat than potentially a war would have been so it was a big deal and we really had to like keep that ray of hope inside our minds and keep repeating it and just believe that if we kept repeating it, it would be. And it has, it really has. So since April, so so the UK was brought out of national lockdown, our last national lockdown in April, 2021. And that was when we were allowed to kind of return to work. I mean, I think it was our last national lockdown. I've kind of lost count, but at least that was when we've, we were officially allowed to return back to the office before just now where we were kind of semi-told to work from home for a few weeks anyway. Since April 2021, there's been a massive kind of floodgate of demand for flexible workspace. So all of us and all of our competitors slash friends in the industry are all seeing the same thing, which has been great. And honestly, we went from taking a massive hit during COVID in terms of like revenue retention and member retention. And we can talk to it. I think we did pretty well given kind of, you know, industry standards of where we could have been. And I think a lot of that is due to our focus on supporting our member businesses. But it was still not fun. But and we've come back and we're now at like we're nearing 90% group occupancy across our portfolio. There's a lot of demand. We're back into growth mode and trying to sign, you know, exciting new growth deals that there are a lot of incentives in the market for players like us to come in and really activate a building. So, you know, now it's in it's in a good place. And obviously on the demand side, there's a lot of demand, but the kinds of things that they are asking for have changed as well, which I'm happy to talk about if if you want to. I just wanted to, first of all, say hi, Gabby. Nice to meet you. Hi. <laughs> I mean, Claire started off by asking you about the last couple of years, obviously, which has been a big change, but you've started Huckletree, I think, back in 2014. And although it wasn't revolutionary then, I mean, co-working did exist, how has, in general, it evolved sort of leading up to the pandemic? It's a really good question. I think, you know, the pandemic has kind of appeared as like a blip on the horizon. It's really hard to think kind of before, but actually it did evolve loads over the, over that period. So when we came in, we weren't the first, there were a handful of existing operators from the UK, mostly that were already kind of in action here, namely the office group who I respect hugely. And I think they've done a great job and are continuing to do so. And a a handful of kind of smaller players as well. But the market was very far from saturated. WeWork wasn't yet in the UK or in Europe at all. And largely the offering didn't need to be what I would call world-class. So today, because it's so saturated and, and, and businesses really do have you know, the ability to choose in any part of London which workspace they work from, and, and they all look incredible and offer these amazing 
facilities and amenities. But when we started back in 2014, we started with a kind of second rate building. It only had 40 desks. It didn't have much room for anything fun. It had one meeting room and like a tiny kitchenette that everyone shared and two toilets. And I just remember the <laughs> toilet situation was really bad. <laughs> but people went and we sold out and it was always full that wouldn't pass anymore at all. So over the years, you know, the competition has grown. We've all had to up our standards and we've all had to be, I think, a little bit more focused on our kind of niches and our areas and our, our specialties. So yeah, it changed a lot. I think then obviously the pandemic's come, maybe it's wiped out some of the competition, but not a lot, um, which is a good thing. And from here, I think it's going to be much more, you know, even more focused on you know, what are the what is the experience that this workspace can offer me? And that's something that I'm really excited about that we can talk about. Gabby, I think that's a good segue is before we start talking about, you know, what are these very real asks that you're getting from your customers now, which is different. Let's go into how you guys have niched as Huckletree and what is that unique offering that you give that a WeWork doesn't give or et cetera, et cetera. So we were, um, from from the very first 40-person space, we were very focused on wanting Huckletree to be a space for the innovation ecosystem. So the, the tech scene was about to explode. I had just come from New York and it had already exploded in New York. And it was literally on the cusp of doing so in the UK as well. It was just after the recession and, you know, lots of entrepreneurship kind of sprouting out of everywhere. And we really wanted to create a home for that and to bring these really exciting tech businesses together. We were really passionate about that. So from the beginning, you know, our members were startup, scale up, small venture funds. And, you know, that became who we were. And over time, as our spaces grew bigger, we could expand that. We could bring in really exciting larger venture funds and, and huge corporate innovation teams and the scale ups of like 50, 60 people. And in doing that, we then kind of took that further and said, hold on, it's great having all of these businesses within the innovation ecosystem under one roof. But actually, if we could uh, theme our, our buildings or our spaces by kind of grouping industries together, we could create even more engaged ecosystems. So we launched our third space as our very first themed hub. It was a third thousand square foot uh, space with about 500 members in White City in West London. And we thought, you know what, White City is home of the BBC. And so her house is opening there. And there are lots of parents, you know, who are entrepreneurs generally in West London. We want to create this as a hub for D2C digital lifestyle businesses. And we thought that that theme was like wide enough that we would be able to bring lots of businesses in, but narrow enough that, you know, they're all, you know, consumer facing businesses. Surely they have lots in common that we can engage them with. And it worked really, really well. It was really successful. And so from there, we went to do our SaaS hub in Dublin. We did a venture capital hub in Soho in London. We've done a GovTech hub by Parliament. And all of our hubs have then been themed that way. It has really allowed us to create very, very strong communities of businesses. So that's our, our niche. They're not all themed, but where we can, we do. And, you know, we've just become known as the place where, you know, the startups and the scale-ups and the innovation businesses go to, which is where we want to be. Do you find that a big part of the companies that use your hubs, they want that ability to mingle with people if, if a, in a similar area in business and sort of feed off each other and help each other and 
Yeah, I do. It, it definitely works. I mean, during lockdown, our GovTech hub, which is, um, which is as I mentioned, kind of by Parliament in London, by Parliament Square, um, which is our most themed space, our most kind of niche and focused space, was the one that retained the most members. Because I think when you have a space that's so sector specific, it kind of acts as an accreditation or an endorsement to the businesses that operate within. And it's not about it being an office because, you know, they can go and get any desk in any seat anywhere. It's really about them being a player within this space where everyone else is too. Um, and if they're not there, then, you know, where are they? So, so some businesses want it. Do all of them want it? No, I don't think they all do. And I think, you know, for some of them, it's very much enough to be in a uh, hub that looks really cool and exciting and different because we've all seen lots of design ways been done a million times over, but with lots of different innovation businesses, you know, from completely different industries. And, and that is totally cool too. So I think it just depends on the business and the sector. And also for us, even GovTech, which is very niche, we're not saying, you know, you all have to be uh, in recruitment. Like maybe that is too close and maybe that would be too competitive, but it's kind of a wider a wider net, I think. Yeah. Gabby, I've just actually pulled up your website here, uh, you know, while you were answering Doug there and your opening line is a really strong one. You use the word brave, the home of brave innovation. Talk to us a little bit about that and why you've specifically chosen that word. So it's a, it's really interesting that you kind of picked out on that because I hadn't really thought about where that came from internally until now. We redid our, our website actually during lockdown. And as part of that, we looked at, you know, our strap lines and our mission and our vision and everything. And this concept of being brave really was born out of the pandemic because it was a moment where lots of startups and 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 kind of venture-backed businesses had to be brave and had to make really bold decisions really quickly, had to, you know, do what they could to kind of preserve their runway, had to take kind of leaps of faith. And it was very much born out of then. I think if we would have, um, or what we would have had in place kind of pre-pandemic would have had a different tone to it. But I think that, you know, even now we're kind of left with the sentiment of we're kind of in it together. We're all in it together. We're all here to put good things out there in the world. It's I feel like the pandemic has kind of changed a lot of our approach to how we do business and why. And so I think that it's it's a lasting sentiment of us needing to be brave and to do brave work and to do it together and to support each other. It's so interesting that you've answered it the way you have, because this is kind of where I was going with my whole train of, th of thought is what you guys have essentially done as Huckle Tree in the form of co-working is what governments have tried to do across the globe in terms of innovation parks. You know, because the very early tech research that came out of Silicon Valley, which was the world's first tech hub, was that, you know, grouping those like industries together actually has very real benefit because there's learning, there's talent share, there's, there's just so many benefits to it. And so you guys have taken that down to like a micro level. And, you know, I, I like the word brave because it speaks to risk taking. It speaks to innovation. It, it speaks to pushing the boundary beyond just, as you say, it's not just an office. It's something more. And it's actually very easy for people to just dismiss it and go, oh, Huckle Tree is just another co-working space. But we haven't had another co-working company come onto the podcast. And we've brought you guys on for that specific reason, you know, that there is something different here. It is not just an office space to rent. 
Totally. And I, I, I love the concept of like, when we speak about building ecosystems, there's so much more that goes into it than just, you know, thinking of a few businesses in the right arena and bringing them together. Like you say, like to really have those synergies, you need to think about all the players and making sure that you're bringing in players across the spectrum. You have the startups, you have the corporates, you have the investors, you have the service providers, you have the advisors, you have, you know, the enthusiasts, you have everyone together. And that's really when the magic is created, I think. So, yeah. Let's go down that hole in terms of what your clients are really asking for now and how it's different to what they were asking for before. So I I think that this is really exciting because I think that I'm very fascinated like you are about the future of work. And I love thinking about what the dream office would look like and how it's going to evolve. And I'm a bit of a, a kind of dreamer on this level. And I, and I always have been. That's why I think we started putting in, you know, the quirky things that we put in Huckletree kind of seven, eight years ago that, you know, other operators might have just said, well, why wouldn't you just put in more private studios so you can maximize your revenue? But for me, it's about the experience. And I think that the world is shifting that way. Like we're thinking, hold on. I can work from home and I probably will go into the office, you know, two or three days a week because I don't want to be left behind and I want to, you know, see my colleagues and I want to create those bonds and, you know, the kids and the dogs and I just don't want to be at home every day. But when I go in, it needs to be an experience. Like I'm not going to go into a substandard office anymore. I'm going to make the commute, but the commute, you know, the experience has to merit that commitment. So all of a sudden you're thinking about how to make the best office experience and what that might look like in terms of within the journey of someone's day. So it's about the design, of course, and and doing things differently. It's about what we're putting in the spaces, you know, like there's much more demand now for podcast suites and for bigger rooms where companies can hold offsites and for, you know, just well thought out and well designed breakout spaces because people don't want to be at a desk all day and, you know, they want freedom to work from wherever. Phone booths, people need much more than before. We're on, you know, many more video calls than we were before, even as we're returning to work. So we need to have many more phone booths. The F and B needs to be amazing because, you know, you don't want a, an office where you can't get a good coffee anywhere. All these details come in and they're all, you know, in isolation, simple details. And you can think of the not so simple details like, you know, they might want meditation spaces or prayer rooms or dog kennels for their dogs when they bring their dogs into work or whatever, the sky's the limit. But all of these things come together and I think just create a really exciting office experience. So when I first started Huckletree, I was really inspired by Facebook and Google and their offices in particular. And I thought, this is so cool. How can we democratize these and make these available to everyone, you know, even if they don't work at one of the big tech companies? And I think that's now kind of coming back into play as what the office experience needs to look like. It doesn't need to be as kitsch maybe as Google and not everything is going to be free like it is at Facebook, but somewhere in the middle, there's like a cool, interesting design where people can come together, have a really exciting day and have everything they need at their fingertips. And I love that. And that's the first part of our conversation with Gabby Hersham. Make sure you catch the next two parts of this interesting look into the co-working space on Spotify, Google or Apple Podcasts, or on Wonder's website, wndyr.com. From Claire and myself, we'll see you soon. <laughs>